Hey, I want to tell y'all, it's, uh, it's, a great, it's a great, great Sunday to be here. I want to tell y'all a couple things that, that uh, I just wanted to share with you. You know, Alexis um, brought up just reasons to praise God, and, and I want to tell you a couple that I just want to show you a few things about how that's going to work. Number one, we just announced at uh, our last quarterly business meeting, we're, you're going to be hearing more and more about this. We kind of waited to tell you. Next Sunday, you're going to see a team that we're going to be praying over. We have started uh, and worked with Missions Committee on a new relationship in Montana, all right. I think we've got. Uh, yeah, there we go. We're going. We hey, listen. We Kim Margrave and I both have a long history in Montana. I've worked with Montana Baptist Convention for a long time, uh, consulting on things and working with pastors on things. But we got our first mission team going out next week as a prayer group, and they're going to lay the groundwork for what we're doing. And it's going to be. I'm telling you, we're going to work with William and Teresa Johnson, and you are going to love it. Let me tell you, man, Montana. If you become a Christian in Montana, you'll probably be the first person on your family tree that's been a Christian maybe ever. And so it's, it's really hard work. It's in the Bozeman area, and I've been there a whole lot over the years, and I cannot wait to tell you more about that. But that's, that's going to be huge. And then we're going to help them. One of the things you'll see over the years is if the plan stays the same, unless William changes it, the plan stays the same. We're going to help them start a church uh, in, a, in a town not too far from there. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be great. I wanted to give you a, just another way to, that I think we, I see the hand of God on us. We had our, had our, our business meeting uh, quarterly, shortest business meeting in the history of this church. Uh, see, when you get tornado drills, what you get Baptist in action is what you do, right? We have tornadoes coming, and uh, our, our beloved man, Robert Grimes, nine minutes in Jesus' name, y'all get out of here. And right as I was pointing my driveway, you saw the rain coming, buddy. Um, it was a tough week. But I want to tell y'all one of our cool things that I'm so proud of y'all. And I'm telling you, I don't want a golf clap. I want to hear some people praising God for something. I got thinking about this this week, right? So we are in a, a still in a little bit of surplus when you look at our expenditures and where we are with budget. But I, I sat back for a minute and I thought about something. You know, every year that I've been here, we've, we've finished the year in a surplus some way, somehow. And that's because of all of y'all. And I want, I want to tell you something, though. When you come out of a pandemic, let me tell you what God did. When you come out of a pandemic, I was speaking in Illinois last, last Sunday at a men's conference, and I asked the pastor, I said, or the men's pastor, hey, man, how, how y'all doing? Broken record, same thing. He said, well, money's better than we've had it maybe ever. We're down 40%, and we're having a hard time. I said, it, it's crazy. It's, it's like the national narrative. But I'll tell y'all something. We came out of, Clearview Baptist Church came out of a pandemic, all right? We never once laid anybody off. Amen? Not once. We, had, we, we didn't have to. We, we had to change the way we did ministry, but we didn't back off on missions. It made us find a different way to do local missions. And here we are today, and I'm telling you something right now, man. This, it's a great day financially to have come through one of the worst things I've ever seen in my own lifetime and how it's affected the national landscape and shipping and prices and you're paying $17 million for a vehicle right now and all the things that we're having to go through and yet here we are, man. Praise the Lord for where we are. I tried doing ministry without money. It ain't fun, right? I'm telling you, we're, we're doing great, Clearview, and I want to say praise God for you, and don't, don't quit. I got my math a little bit off. Here's another one. The last two weeks, we've had baptisms. I thought we had one today. It's actually Easter, which is a great day to baptize somebody, right? But listen, man, uh, we've, we've had some really great, really great um, just experiences with that. The Lord has blessed us there. And that one last thing I want to tell you, um, this is our first day to announce it, but 
We haven't done this the, the whole time I've been here, but on the, the Monday, Thursday, the Thursday before Easter, we're going to have a really, really special uh, worship environment for you guys. It's, we're going to lay out and tell you how we're going to plan it this week in some different ways. You'll hear about it ne- next Sunday, but I want to tell you something. It's going to be unique. It's going to be cool, and, and I, I, you're going to be able to come, not all at once. We're going to hopefully roll this thing out in some unique ways. So I don't want to say too much, but I want to tell you, that leads me into telling you what, what I really... It sets me up for what I really want to talk to you about this morning. I really do believe that our best days are ahead of us. And I'll tell you why I believe that. If you look at, if you look at cross churches in general, one of the things that we see, yes, right now across America, the church is shrinking. Okay? It's true. Right now across America, post-pandemic, the church, the church in general is shrinking. That's true. But you see, you've seen my entire ministry life, churches be really wide. But when it comes to being holy, you, we watched a cultural slip and a cultural slide. And that doesn't stop at the steeple. It just doesn't. Pursuing holiness. And let me tell you something. As we go forward into a Christless culture, as we go forward into a, a culture that many of you grew up, many of you even older than me, grew up in a culture that in many ways valued a lot of the things the church valued, that just doesn't exist anymore, right? It just doesn't exist anymore. And that doesn't make it all bad. What I'm saying is the further the, further the church goes to higher ground with God, the harder it's going to be. Because the more you value holiness and the more you value purity, that message just doesn't sell like it used to, right? But I want to tell you something, you guys. You know why? I'm, I've, I've pushed and pushed on so many ways for us to be holy before the Lord. Let me tell you why. Because I know that's when God shows up. God, the Bible, Jesus, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And the further we go up the mountain to being holy in our own walks with God, the more God, let me tell you, God visits people like that. God visits people like that. So today, I want to I talk to you about creating blameless boundaries. We're in our, our freedom series on foundations for freedom. And, and it's all about uh, what it means for us to put boundaries in our lives that God wants us to have. And we're going to go to Psalm 101. That's where you're going to go in just a minute. It's a really great psalm. I've been reading through it quite a bit this week. I really think we, the Lord's got a, a good word for us this morning. So I want to set up a quick video for you um, before we read Psalm 101. But I want you to turn there, and uh, we're going get, to get moving with it. Now, there's a, it's basketball season. You know, If you're a Duke fan, you're really depressed. If you're a UNC fan, you're just loving Jesus this morning. right? If you're a Kansas fan, you're loving Jesus. You know, the women, I think, play tonight, I think. and it's, just, it's, you know, it's all over the news right now. And even if you're not into sports, man, it's, it's a really exciting time of the year, Final Four. And if you have college students, they're all into it right now. Well, several years ago, I, wa- I love sports documentaries. I love documentaries on anything. I watch a documentary on you, uh, you know, because I just love people's backstory. I do, man. I, I, I'll, I'll watch a documentary in a minute on anybody. I just love documentaries. And there was this uh, documentary several years ago that ESPN ran. And uh, Nick Saban brought in Kobe Bryant as a surprise to speak to his team to speak to them. And so they all went crazy. But there was a portion of that interview that I remembered when I put this together. And I want you to hear it 
Because there's something that Saban says about beast mode, right? I got, a, I got an 11-year-old son. He's always, you know, he'll shoot a basketball, and if he happens to make it, beast mode, you know, had to, you know, I kind of had to figure out what that means when I was, you know, I, when Cole was little, you know, you know, they wanted to do Odell Beckham catches. I want to be the beast. I want to be the beast, you know. And uh, so listen to, listen to this video, and I think it's going to tie right into Psalm 101. I've been very impressed with how many guys of like, you know, Kobe's kind of in a league of his own, but how many high level, big time names want to come here. I mean, if you're calling on behalf of Nick Saban, you can just about get anything done you need done. From the things that I've read about him, you know, interviews that I've watched, um, he's a teacher. Right? And he's gonna challenge his guys to really hit their full potential. Um, but it's a grind, and it has to be that way. And that's what I've always admired about Nick Saban from afar. And I'm looking forward to sitting down with him today and picking his brain a little bit about that. All right. How you guys doing? Good. Doing good? I know you guys start kicking things off again. You know, um, there's a lot coming in different directions. You're starting a new year. Right? You guys obviously trying to defend something. And uh, what I always found helpful, particularly when the season starts, is to edit your life. What's most important to you? And when you do that, you do that exercise with yourself, things become clear rather quickly. But it was interesting, you know, hearing you speak today about you know, your mentality as a player and how your work ethic, your perseverance gave you the confidence to be the kind of player that you were. Yeah. And you know, my comment about that is every great player that I've ever met, they all have that. Right. They all have talent, but they all have that. Right. The, 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 the process, you know, the loving the process, loving the daily grind of it and putting the puzzle together. It seems, seems like you know, this generation seems to be really concerned with the end result of things versus understanding, you know, appreciating the journey to get there, which is the most important. The trials and tribulations that come along with it. You have you know, successes, you have failures, but it's all part of the end, right. the end game. And what I see a lot of time from young players is you know, they'll try, they'll push, and all of a sudden they get hit with some adversity. Nah, you know, let me do something else. Instead of staying with it, you just, just stay with it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys just kind of give up on it because it's not happening now. That's exactly right. You know? Everybody wants to be the beast, but not everybody wants to do what the beast do. You heard, you heard <laughs> yeah, that oh one yeah. before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, and, and that's the challenge. But that, that's what I love about the process of being a coach. Everybody wants to be the beast, but nobody wants to do what the beast does, right? One of my, one of my good friends in his office has, a, has a, a, a big canvas, and it just has a simple phrase on it. To be the 1%, you got to be willing to do what the 99% aren't willing to do, right? That's the bottom line. And so today, we're going to, 
I, I think holiness and our, our personal walk with God matters so much because I can tell you right now that as our church and as we're going into a, a, a culture and how, how different our culture is in the last couple of years and where it's going and where it's headed and all the things that we see happening in our world, I'm telling you right now, Clearview, Clearview is in what I would think is a window of decision. Who are we going to be? Who are we going to be and, and how are we going to be it? And it starts with our personal holiness walk with God. And I want to read, so I want to read Psalm 101 to you real quick, okay? Here we go. Psalm 101. I will sing of the loving kindness and, and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. That means I'll yield to being blameless. I want to be blameless. When, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. He doesn't mean intellectually. He means experientially. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful. So he's changing directions now. He's one group he's pushing away and another group he's pulling in. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is one who will minister to me. He's saying that's who I'm going to let into my circle. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land and so as to cut off from the city of the Lord, all those who do iniquity. You see, in the Old Testament, you see this constant thing going back and forth of, of people having to understand what it means to, to create a holy heart. And today we're talking about why, why, why is this essential to our freedom in Christ? We've been talking about what does it mean to be free in Christ? And we're, we're, we're talking about real tools, actual pavement level tools that give you the ability to walk with the Lord. And it starts with our own walk with God. That theme is all through the Old Testament, but you see it carried on in the New Testament. I'll give you just a couple of examples. Look up here on the screen. 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has dark with the light. I could show you many verses like this. this is, here's another one. This is just one more. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. You see, there's a thread all throughout the Old and New Testament it's really simple. God wants us to have a pure heart. He wants us to have blameless boundaries in our lives. We can walk with purity of heart. And so the easiest way I'm going to put this into your mind, where to be a little sticky this morning, is to say it this way. What I cling to clings to me. Okay? What I choose to cling to clings to me. And we're going to kind of run that theme this morning through the, through the scriptures. What I cling to, well, whatever you cling to is going to cling to you. And so David is walking through this in Psalm 101. And he's teaching this to us, y'all, post Bathsheba, right? If you know that story. This is post-affair. This is after a lot of these things happen. If I get my dates right, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. So where is it that God wants me to have boundaries in my life, and why does it matter? Well, let me set that up for you. Number one, God wants me blameless in the spaces that I occupy. 
For all of you over in the chapel, I'm not talking about your homes. We got a whole, hey, if you're a guest in here this morning, we got a whole other group of dysfunctional people, just like all the dysfunctional people right here in this room, right? Hey, the church is the only place I know we celebrate dysfunction, don't we? Yes, we get together and we talk about our Redeemer, baby. So there's a whole, if this, if this crowd isn't working for you over here this morning, there's a whole bunch of other people over there. You can go over there, be dysfunctional with them. They're, they're just as cool, right? Right? So we're, we're talking about occupying space. Now, where does David say this, right? Where does he say it? Look at what he says in Psalm 101 too. I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not talking about his actual brick and mortar. He's not talking about his roof line. What he's talking about is the places his feet tread. He's talking about his alliances. He's talking about who he partners himself with. It matters that the spaces that you take up, the, the things you do, the places you go, that those, you need to have boundaries around those things because what you cling to is going to cling to you. What I cling to is going to cling to me. I remember, you know, I've been pretty open with you uh, this whole time that uh, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a great home. My mom and dad, we were God-fearing people, whatever that means by an American definition. But, but, but our whole household came to Christ right about 1989, 90, and 91, kind of right in that, in that time frame. The Lord redeemed my entire home. I, and in that time... Uh, I watched, I've been, I've told you many times, I watched my daddy really, really battle alcoholism. And, and that was really hard. It was hard on watching my dad um, have to, daddy drank for so long, you know, and he was, a, he, he was and he is a great dad. Through all that, he actually was a great dad, phenomenal dad, um, but, but he did. He drank really hard. And daddy was drinking like most alcoholics do for a simple reason. He wasn't drinking. You know, I learned by growing up with an alcoholic father. Uh, true addicts, they're not in it to party. That's not what they're doing. They're numbing. And they're just, they're just self-medicating. And that's what daddy was doing. You can do that through work. You can do that through overeating. You can do that through a lot of things. Daddy just chose to do it with early times and sundrop. And that, that's how it worked. And, and, and so I remember when my daddy, um, when my daddy came to, to the conclusion that he had to get freedom from alcohol, I watched something really unique happened to my dad. My dad is, <laughs> I didn't despite go into this kind of detail, my dad is one of the most strong human beings I've ever met, mentally. I mean, mentally strong. He quit drinking cold turkey in a day. I mean, in a day. Walked away from decades of alcoholism. But one of the hardest things I saw my dad do, because I grew up in a small town, is my daddy had really good friendships. He did. Now, they were drinking buddies. That's true. They were. But they were good men. They were good men. Good dads. I played, they, some of them coached me in baseball and football. Uh, I knew a lot of those guys. But I watched my dad do something that was really hard. My daddy understood that if he was going to get out of that lifestyle, he had to get free from the places that drug him down. So what my daddy had to do was he had to change some behavior patterns. And one of those was where he put his feet. Meaning, there was a couple of juke joints that my daddy would go with his friends and get some peanuts and crack open some peanuts and a few Budweiser's. But the problem is my dad couldn't stop it too. And so daddy had to distance himself and cut off some friendships that he had had for 30 years. Listen, man, that's hard. 
That's hard because they, they weren't bad dudes. But he understood, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be right back in it. Now, fast forward now. Daddy hadn't had a drink in probably like 30 years. And those guys, they, they still hang out. They, they, now, now he, there's, there's three year, thir, three, almost three decades of sobriety between that daddy. He, he, uh, you know, he, he, there's sobriety there. So he can he he he, didn't, he still doesn't go to those places, but he can go to picnics. He can see them at ball games, and, and they're all good friends. It's a real it's a real neat thing to actually watch and, and and see how my dad has stayed so strong in all that time. But my point to say that to you is that that for for many of you 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 need to t- I, I watched firsthand victory come on my daddy's life because he had the the stamina and the discipline and the desire to exit some dwellings. Physical realms, physical realms. Some of you, listen to me, it, you, alcohol may not any, be anything in your life, but I want to tell you, for some of you, some of the most holy things you can do is get out of some places. Some of you, one of the most holy things you could do right now is get yourself, I almost said other things, um, Get yourself off social media. For some of you, it's not that social media is wicked. It doesn't have a soul. It can be good or bad. That's not the point. For some of you, you doom scroll. You know what doom scrolling is? It's a word I learned. It's where you're just scrolling, looking for the gossip. Just looking for the, ooh, you ever notice that people on social media never tell you the whole story? I'm, I'm never going back to Costco again. They did this to me, and then all your friends, yeah, girl, I wouldn't go there either. Now, let me tell you what the girl didn't tell you. She didn't tell you that she called the manager's mother a bunch of names. No, they don't. Oh, I'm meddling a little bit. They didn't tell you that they brought back a four-year-old product that broke. And the guy's like, we don't have a warranty for that. Well, I'm never coming here again. You know, they don't tell you stuff. They tell you what they want you to know, man. Listen, some of you, for some of the most holy things you can do is start auditing. What did Saban say? I I, I don't know if you caught that. Or what Kobe said, audit your life. Audit your life. And I think for all of us, it's one of the best things we could do is put some of those spaces. For you, it may not be social. It, it, It could be... All kinds of things. I mean, it's different for all of us, but I'm telling you, God wants you blameless in the places. David said, he said, I will walk in my house with integrity of my heart. That's what he said. I will walk within my house with the integrity of my heart. So what's the second place I want to talk about just for a minute? Is God wants me blameless in the dreams I desire. See, what you cling to will cling to you. What, you, what I cling to clings to me. God wants me blameless in, in the dreams I desire. Let me say, say it to you a different way, right? There's a prayer that I often pray when I'm having a decision to make. Sometimes, and it's not a bad decision. There's many times I've prayed this prayer when I've had a, a big decision. that's something I kind of want, you know, is I'll say to God, God, please don't let any dream be in my heart that didn't start in your heart. Don't let any dream be in my heart that didn't start in your heart. Because I, 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 don't, I, don't, I realize that my heart is, is, is saved by Jesus Christ, inherited, inhabited by Jesus Christ, but I also know that I'm still me in a lot of ways, and I have to be careful. 
So um, David says something here in Psalm, I think it's 102, yeah, 101, 3 and 4. Here we go, look. Look what he says. I will not, this is a different translation. I think this is the NLT. I will not look, I love how it translated it though. It's Because really, see, in Psalm 101, New American Standard, he says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. But what he says here in the NLT version, I, it's, it's maybe even a little better translation. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. Camp out on that for a second. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part of it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. I will set no thing before my eyes. See, there's a, there's a word I love in, in country music. You still hear it in real country music. You know, uh, anyway, I'm backing up. I can get in a lot of trouble if I'm not careful. Um, but there's a word you hear in country music a lot of times, and you'll hear a word called pine, pining. It's an old word. It's an old word. I pine for something. Uh, listen, all y'all under the age of 35, go Google up pine. It's a great, it's not a tree. Okay, it can be, all right? But to pine for something, or as we say, if you're, a lot of y'all are watching from California, and a lot of y'all are moving in from California, you got to understand something. In the South, we drop all of our G's. It's never going, it's going, all right? It's never eating, it's eating, okay? So you got to run it together, drop the G. That's how you fit in, all right? Run it together, drop the G. And then if you get confused and you're still not figuring it out, preface it like things like by big old, right? That's a big old truck, right? They will think you're from here. They will think you're from here. All right, I'm big old. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat a big old meal and I'm fixing to go eat it. See, boom, now you're right there. So that was for free. Listen, I am a full service pastor. So the, what, what I'm telling you is pining. Pining is what happens like when your girl has left you. Oh, man, and you're pining. I mean, you are just hoping, praying, loving, trying to get deep down in there. Hank Williams, I'm pining, pining for something. It means you're, you know what it means? It's a good word. It means you're longing, like in the depths of your bones, man, you want something really bad. Like you want something really deep. You know what David said? I'm not going to pine for anything vile. Think about that. That's not just porn. I'm not going to pine for dishonest gain. I'm not going to pine for somebody or anything. I'm not going to put it... The reason I said my dreams, that God wants me blameless in what I dreams, you understand what he's saying is, he said I, in, in the New American Standard, he says, I will put nothing worthless before my eyes. What he means is, I will make no target. I will pursue no target that isn't holy. I will not pursue something that God doesn't want or God won't bless. So... He understood. And, you know, it's interesting. I've been uh, reading a lot in the Old Testament lately. I've been doing a one-year chronological Bible. Man, I love it. It's been so good. And I've been, I've been in this place going through Leviticus, Numbers, and Judges, and Deuteronomy, and all these places. And one of the interesting things jumped out at me even this week. In Judges chapter 2, you see uh, God tell the people. Uh, this is just a reference verse. He says, you shall not make a covenant with the peoples of this land. That's the non-believers. But you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? You see, what had happened was... The even in the Old Testament, God had told them, stay away from the Canaanites. Don't marry them. Don't get into their world. They will cling to you. And he begins to say, break down their altars, have nothing to do with them. But you know what they did? They didn't listen. So what they did is they lived with one foot in the world of Yahweh and one foot in the world of the Canaanites. And so I'm telling you right now, anything that's a half idol is a full God. Okay? Anything that's a half idol is a full God. And so 
So what's happening there is he's saying, come out, man. Come out from that. Don't, don't aspire to do that. And they would never listen. And you know what happened? If you read in Judges, for most of their lives, they were plagued by disobedience because they wouldn't put holy boundaries around their lives. I want to tell you something, friends. I want you to listen to me. I'm serious now. I mean it. If that's the stance we're going to take at Clearview, then scale may be slow. I'm serious. If the stance we're going to take at Clearview is a holy heart before the Lord, there's a lot of people ain't playing that. And they're not bad people. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing in me that wants to be half holy. Holiness is not perfection. When you hear the word holiness, don't, don't misconstrue it for perfection. It's not perfection. It's a position that you put yourself in to obey the Lord. It's not about perfection. You're never going to be perfect. That's not the point. We're called to be separate because what I cling to clings to me. There's one other area I want to share with you about blameless boundaries this morning, and it's this one. God wants me blameless in establishing my closest companions. Now, I said that's a little lengthy, but I want to walk with you for a minute and tell you why this matters so much. You see, Jesus, Jesus had friends. This, this, is, this is the hard part, okay? If you're wondering, like, if, if there's a hard part in the sermon, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. Here it comes. This is where, oh, it's, it's easier to put down the phone. It's easier to watch your dreams and ambitions. But now we're going to start putting names on it. People's faces. People that you like. People that like you. The hardest part for Christians many times is to establish boundaries with the people they walk with. But I want to tell you something. You will walk like who you walk with. Do you know that's been proven psychologically? Do you know it's been proven that you will adopt the mindset? For all of you in the chapel, it's true. You will adopt the mindset of the people closest to you. See, Jesus, Jesus had friends of all kinds. And then Jesus also had disciples. And within those disciples, he had a crew, Peter, James, and John. Right? I'm telling you, let me tell you something. I'm telling you right now, it is God's will for your life. You hear me? You know, I don't often say like just acute statements like that. Listen to me. It is God's will for your life that your closest advisors are not church people. They are spirit-filled people. Anybody can go to church, man. Your closest inner circle speaking into your life need to be people of the Holy Ghost. Right? I'm talking about the, if ghost scares you, let's go spirit. Right? Holy Spirit. Your closest people need to be walking with God. Deep people walking with God. Because what you cling to is going to cling to you. And so this is where it gets really hard. Because what we see is that Jesus... Jesus had a habit. You say, well, hold on a minute now. Didn't, didn't Jesus like walk with prostitutes? Mm-hmm. They followed him. Sure did. Did he eat with them? Yep. Sure did. Absolutely. But you know, you know who wasn't in his inner circle of decision-making? Prostitutes. People dis- disobedient to God. You know who wasn't in his inner circle 
of decision-making, people that had idolatry in their lives. You want a perfect example? You remember the time that Jesus is talking to the guy who's a very rich young ruler, and he walks up to him, and he says, hey, I'm a pretty spiritual man, and I want to follow you. And so this is one little one-off. It's, it doesn't, you don't, it's not a theme in the New Testament. It's a one-off. And he says, well, okay, I'll tell you what. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And two things happened. One, they said the guy walked away. And two, Jesus didn't chase him. Jesus didn't chase him. He didn't. You see, he knew that that guy's half idol was a whole God. And he's not going to partner with that. So it gets really hard. I, I love how Proverbs 12, 26 frames it up. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You will be led astray, man. And I'm telling you, it is, it is a place in our lives where, where uh, we have to watch. Deeply. Who's speaking into your life, man? Who's speaking into your life? Because it, it feels really tough cutting people out, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it feels mean even. And I'm not saying it shouldn't. I mean, it, it is hard. It feels very unloving, but I'm going to tell you something, friends. That verse right there is one of many warnings. You know what? Many of you came to church today asking God for a sign. You asked God to speak to you this week. Maybe I'm it. I'm serious. Not because I'm some perfect model of maturity. Ask my wife. She'll be in the next service. She'll give you all kinds of dope on me. No, I'm saying you want a sign from God? Maybe today is this, this is it. This is it right here. The reason that you can't pull up the mountain with God is because you won't do it. You, 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 you keep asking for something to be blessed when you, all you do is hitch your wagon to people who are leading you astray because it feels unloving. I'm telling you, God wants you to protect your inner circle. I, I could give you so many verses on this, and I'm not, but I want to walk you through a couple. Okay, man, just a few, man. Just a few. Look, this is a good one. 2 Timothy 3. This, who, who does God want me to separate from? The, just write these verses down. You can go back and lead, read them later. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. The spiritually secular. That's what I'm going to call that. Paul says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Church people, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. That's the word of God. It's not Jason. That's not, he's not being mean. You know why he's saying that? Because what you cling to will cling to you. Whatever I cling to will cling to me. Have nothing to do with the spiritually secular, the, the, the half serious. Right? Here's another one. Look at the next one. Uh, Titus 3, verse 10, the divisive person. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that there's such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. Listen, there are people, I, I was thinking about this <laughs> driving to church, man. You know, uh, this thing I, I was thinking about, there was, I had this guy in high school. And it got, I, I thought about this guy, and I'm not going to say his name because it's a small world. And you may be his aunt or something. But... But I got to think about this guy. Every single person he, he got, he was responsible for getting more friends. I watched that dude get, in four years, I watched him single-handedly get so many best friends in fistfights. 
I mean, I saw this one guy. He'd be in one's ear for a while and one's ear for another. And over time, then you'd see him in the parking lot duking it out or at some party. This guy was a pro at dividing things, right? The divisive person. Some, some of you have divisive people in your life. You need to cut them out because they are going to take... They, you know what they will do? They will teach you how to be divisive. They will teach you by modeling Right? They just will. That's how it works. That's why, again, have nothing to do. It's it's not being angry. It's being spiritually wise. Look, you know, it's it's not unloving. I'm going to keep loving somebody. I'm going to keep trying to be active in life. Do do what Jesus did. Jesus did go into territory of that, but he had an inner circle, and he didn't let just anybody in there. He just didn't let anybody in there. What about the chronically angry? Now, I'm not talking about people that, you know, just get... Listen, anger is a natural human emotion. You are allowed to be angry. I am allowed to be angry. You know? You go through seasons in your life, things just make you mad. That's a natural human emotion. We're talking about the chronically angry. You ever been around just sour, bitter people? Mad and don't know why. Right? Mad and don't know why. Seriously. What is a chronically angry person? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Come on, Proverbs 22. Listen to me, man. People that are spiritually toxic will teach you how to do it. You can still be loving and be guarded. You notice the flow? Go back. I want to challenge you this week. Go back and read Psalm 101 slow. There's a portion of people that David pushes away, and there's a portion of people he covers like a fence. He's pushing away some of these people, but it's not because he's mad at them. Let me tell you something. They will teach you their ways. That's why he didn't want them going in with the Canaanites. That's why God said, don't do it. They will teach you their pagan life, and they did, right? What about this person? I'm just going to call them the unrepentant. You must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, the unrepentant. You know who this person is? You've seen these people. They say they walk with God, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. They're spiritually inconsistent, but the one thing they are consistent about is they will not repent. They will not repent. Listen to me. You're not being judgmental by, by watching what you cling to. Because I'm going to take you, tell you something. People that are far from God and have no desire for repentance, that's the qualifier. They have no desire for repentance. Let me tell you who becomes the villain. You. When you tell them. You become the villain. You become the problem. You're the enemy. You're the one that's not gracious. You're the one that's unloving. You're the one that has all of a sudden got more righteous and holy and you don't love me anymore. No, I love you so much, I'm telling you the truth, hoss. That's love. That's love. Love love that neglects isn't love at all. Right? Now we just cancel people that don't tell us what we want to hear. The unrepentant. I didn't say those that have slipped off in sin. That's different. I've done that. You will do that. God's not telling you to walk away from people that their heart is still soft. 
But the people whose heart is hard and they don't care, they will take you with them if you hitch your wagon to them. Here's another one. One more. Just one more. Just one more. False teacher. If anyone comes to you, this is what Second John, John's telling them about preaching the gospel. The, or he's talking about the gospel life, the gospel of Jesus. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because you see, they're going to teach you their ways. So I want to I illustrate this for you for a minute. All right? So I taught you that, you know, it's important who you watch your back. So come on out here, Zach. Is Zach around? Big country. Yeah, there he is. Big Zach. Everybody let's say, hey, Zach. All right. Now, come, on, come on in the center because I get yelled at if I don't get to, you know. All right, turn this way. And that's like, now, Zach's a pretty good dude, right? I want to be near Zach. We like Zach most of the time, right? I, I'm a little envious of his hair, all right? But, but I'm going to tell you, okay, so... So I've been telling you all morning about you got to watch your associations. So I'm going to get something violently uncomfortable for a minute. You, re- you okay with this, Zach? I guess. Okay. Come on in. <laughs> so, you know, here's the deal, right? So calm down, Zach. Just, right. it, ain't, it ain't going to be bad. All right? This is on the internet. This is on- <laughs> What happened in Clearview, man? So here's the deal, right? I love Zach a lot. You know what I love about Zach? Seriously, one of the things I love about him is he's got a level head. Like, I, I've watched Zach have incredible maturity over the years. You, you weirded out yet? A little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've watched him have incredible maturity over the years. I've, I've, I love his walk with God. I love Brittany's walk with God. He's got a good marriage. He really does. I'm, I am, honestly, second time envious of his hair. It bothers me, because right, I don't have that much. He's a big athlete, right? He can lose weight just by thinking about it, which really makes me mad, all right? But see, I love Zach. I, do, I don't mind being around Zach. I want Zach in my inner circle. I really love him a lot. But let's just say that Zach was far from God. Let's just say that Zach had some darkness in his heart. Let's say that Zach matched some of these. Let's say that Zach was one of my innermost companions, right? Let's say that Zach was the guy that was my best buddy, I thought, but he was far from God and he had no desire to be close to God. Right? You think that doesn't have an effect? Thanks, Zach. Because what I cling to (laughs) will cling to me. What I cling to is going to cling to me. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.